This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of bone remodeling from the basic science section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick introduction defining certain key concepts in bone remodeling, specifically Wolf's Law, piezoelectric charges, and the Hooter-Volkman Law. So Wolf's Law refers to bone remodeling in response to mechanical stress. Piezoelectric charges refers to bone remodeling in response to electric charges. Remember that the compression side is electronegative and stimulates osteoblast formation, while the tension side is electropositive and stimulates osteoclasts. The Hooter-Volkman principle is the theory that bone remodels in small packets of cells known as basic multicellular units, or BMUs. The theory suggests that mechanical forces influence longitudinal growth. Compressive forces inhibit growth. And remember that the Hooter-Volkman principle may play a role in scoliosis. Now let's talk about the remodeling mechanism. So remember that cortical bone remodels by osteoclastic tunneling, otherwise known as cutting cones. So first you will have osteoclastic resorption, which leads to layering of osteoblasts, then layering of lamellae, and then finally cement lines are laid down. Remember that osteoclasts make up the head of the cutting cone, followed by capillaries and then osteoblasts, which lay down the osteoid to fill the cutting cone. Sclerostin inhibits osteoblastogenesis to decrease bone formation. Keep in mind that cortical bone continues to change over time. Cortical area decreases as age increases, and this is linked to increased fracture risk. Also remember that the medullary canal volume increases as age increases. Finally, remember that cancellous bone remodels by osteoclastic resorption and osteoblastic deposition of layers of lamellae. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic might be tested. A bilateral knee radiograph of a pediatric patient shows tension band plates on the right tibia. The hardware in the radiograph relies on which of the following principles to achieve its function. And the choices are 1. Cutting cones, 2. Wolf's Law, 3. The Hooter-Volkman Law, 4. Piezoelectric Effect, and 5. Compression Plating. The correct answer to this question is 3. The Hooter-Volkman Law. So the hardware in the radiograph described is a tension band plate, and it's able to perform its function due to the Hooter-Volkman Law. To quickly review, bones undergo continuous remodeling and turnover, which are sensitive to the surrounding mechanical environment. Bone remodeling is governed by Wolf's Law, while the mechanical influence on longitudinal bone growth is controlled by the Hooter-Volkman Law. Wolf's Law relates to the adaptation of bone to its mechanical environment and involves bone apposition stimulated by intermittent increased stress and bone resorption following reduced intermittent stress. The Hooter-Volkman Law relates to immature bone growth suppression through sustained compressive loading and growth acceleration by reduced loading or distraction. Vilmure et al. performed a review of growth plate mechanics and mechanobiology. They report that growth plates are sensitive to the surrounding mechanical environment. There are a number of clinical conditions of the skeleton that are thought to result from abnormal mechanical loading conditions influencing longitudinal growth prior to skeletal maturity, such as clubfoot associated with limb position in utero, slipped capital femoral epiphysis, tibia vera, spondylolisthesis, and scoliosis. Shabtai et al. performed a review of the limits of growth modulation using tension band plates in the lower extremities. Tension band plates have been found to be safe and effective at correcting pediatric frontal plane angular deformities. They found that the success rate of idiopathic cases nears 100%. The success rate for pathologic cases is lower, and they have a higher complication rate. 
they conclude that tension band plates are a reasonable option for all but the most extreme frontal and sagittal plane deformities. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, cutting cones is incorrect, as cutting cones are produced by osteoclastic tunneling, and this is how cortical bone remodels. Answer 2, Wolf's Law is incorrect, as Wolf's Law states that bone remodels in response to mechanical stress. Answer 4, piezoelectric effect is incorrect, as the piezoelectric effect occurs when bone remodels in response to electric charges. And finally, answer 5, compression plating is incorrect, as compression plating is a technique of applying compression through a plate at a fracture site. Moving on to the next question, which of the following functions by inhibiting osteoblastogenesis in order to decrease bone formation? And the choices are 1, rank L, 2, interleukin 1 or IL1, 3, wind signaling, 4, sclerostin, and 5, osteoprotegrin. The correct answer to this question is 4, sclerostin. So sclerostin is a negative regulator of bone formation by inhibiting osteoblastogenesis. Sclerostin is a glycoprotein expressed by osteocytes as a potent regulator of bone formation. Sclerostin impedes osteoblast proliferation and function by inhibiting the wind signaling pathways and thus inhibits bone formation. Suen et al. performed a lab experiment with 120 rats that underwent femur fractures. The subjects were given sclerostin monoclonal antibody treatment or placebo. The sclerostin monoclonal antibody treatment group showed significantly higher ultimate load during mechanical testing and increased fracture healing with histologic testing. They concluded that an antibody to inhibit sclerostin will have a net positive effect on fracture healing by allowing osteoblastogenesis. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, rank L is incorrect, as rank L is secreted by osteoblasts and binds to the rank receptor on osteoclast precursors and mature osteoclast cells. Answer 2, interleukin-1 or IL-1 is incorrect, as interleukin-1 stimulates osteoclast differentiation and thus bone resorption. Answer 3, wind signaling is incorrect, as wind signaling promotes osteoblast formation. In addition to increasing osteoblast formation, the pathway upregulates osteoprotegrin or OPG, and OPG works by blocking osteoclastogenesis. Finally, answer 5, osteoprotegrin is incorrect, as osteoprotegrin is a decoy receptor produced by osteoblasts and stromal cells that binds to and sequesters rank L and thus inhibits osteoclast differentiation, fusion, and activation. And moving on to the next question. The femur radiograph of a healthy 25-year-old female is compared to the femur radiograph of a healthy 85-year-old female. Which of the following best describes the 25-year-old's femur? And the choices are 1. Increased cortical thickness and a smaller medullary canal volume. 2. Decreased cortical thickness and a larger medullary canal volume. 3. Equivalent cortical thickness and medullary canal volume. 4. Increased cortical thickness and larger medullary canal volume. And 5. Decreased cortical thickness and a smaller medullary canal volume. The correct answer to this question is 1. Increased cortical thickness and a smaller medullary canal volume. So as the human body ages, the cortical thickness slash area decreases and subsequently the diameter slash volume of the medullary canal increases. Therefore, a young healthy 25-year-old woman should have thicker cortices and a smaller medullary canal volume than her counterparts at 85 years. Keep in mind that a decreased cortical bone area is linked to increased fracture risk. Stein et al. studied femurs from subjects aged 21 to 92 years of age. They found that a reduction in cortical area was seen in older specimens, and this change was more pronounced in female specimens. 
To quickly go over the wrong answers, answer 2, decreased cortical thickness and a larger medullary canal volume is incorrect, as decreased cortical thickness and a larger medullary canal volume describes the bone characteristics of an elderly patient. Answer 3, equivalent cortical thickness and medullary canal volume is incorrect, as bone mass decreases with aging and is not constant. Answer 4, increased cortical thickness and larger medullary canal volume is incorrect, as the volume of bone remains constant with aging, so you cannot have both an increased cortical thickness and larger medullary canal volume. Finally, answer 5, decreased cortical thickness and a smaller medullary canal volume is incorrect, as the volume of bone remains constant with aging, so you cannot have a decrease in both cortical thickness and medullary canal volume. And moving on to the final question, a 25-year-old male sustains a transverse humeral shaft fracture and undergoes open reduction and internal fixation with rigid compression plating. What kind of bone healing would be expected with this type of fracture fixation? And the choices are 1. Primary bone healing through haversion remodeling. 2. Secondary healing through callus formation. 3. Primary healing through callus formation. 4. Endochondral ossification. And 5. Secondary healing through osteonal cutting cones. The correct answer to this question is 1. Primary bone healing through haversion remodeling. So fractures and osteotomies that are stabilized with rigid compression plating undergo primary bone healing, also known as haversion remodeling. Absolute stability constructs, such as compression plating, allows for bone healing without visible callus formation. Healing occurs via extension of clusters of osteoclasts, known as osteonal cutting cones, across the fracture site, along with osteoblasts depositing new bone and blood vessels to reestablish the haversion system. Secondary bone healing occurs when fractures heal through callus formation. Relative stability constructs, such as an intramedullary nail, allow for some motion at the fracture site, which leads to healing through a cartilage scaffold, otherwise known as endochondral ossification. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 2, secondary healing through callus formation, is incorrect, as secondary healing through callus formation occurs when fractures heal with some motion at the fracture site, for example, intramedullary nailing of a diaphyseal femur fracture. Answer 3, primary healing through callus formation is incorrect, as primary healing is defined by the absence of visible callus. Answer 4, endochondral ossification is incorrect, as endochondral ossification is bone generation or healing through a cartilage scaffold. And finally, answer 5, secondary healing through osteonal cutting cones is incorrect, as secondary healing does not occur through osteonal cutting cones, as there is not enough stability at the fracture site. That's all for this review about bone remodeling. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.